0: Are you serious? Uh-huh. You just got the phone. Uh-huh. Today is Wednesday, and it is about six fifty-eight a.m. Uh, I started work at six a.m., and my daughter just walked in my room because she had been on the phone all night, apparently talking to her best friends. Are you? Are you recording? Yeah, and so she just decided to jump into my bed, and she said good night even though my day is just starting.
1: That's Jocelyn Guevara, and she is holding it down in Vallejo, California, working from home full-time and being a mom to her 15-year-old daughter, Nia. And she's doing all of this by herself while also trying to help Nia work out her own disappointments about COVID-19. Here's Nia.
2: It's just not really the year. (laughs) I was expecting, you know, having to be with my friends, having fun with my marching band competitions, and um, having to see all of that being canceled and just having to spend the first two years of my high school at home is really disappointing and sad for me.
1: Anybody with kids in a house can identify with this. It is hard to see them feel like they're missing out on so much. And Jocelyn, well, she's just trying to hold it all together.
0: Okay, so it's about 8.27 p.m. Um, I work from home, complete a full day of work, which wasn't too bad. Um, And we had dinner. And so that was good. And I'd say that is pretty much at most what we can both accomplish on any given day in COVID. Learning a lot more about myself as a single parent and as a person through this pandemic. I think this is a sign for all of us that maybe we just need to slow down and take a deep breath and rethink what's important to us.
1: Slow down, yes. But as we head into a new school year and many more months of lockdown, me and a whole lot of parents are asking, To what end? I'm Tanya Mosley, and that's the topic we're taking on on this episode of Truth Be Told. Dear Truth Be Told.
3: Dear Truth Be Told.
4: Dear Truth Be Told.
1: Dear
0: Truth Be Told. I really need your help.
1: I need your help.
2: I need your help.
1: On this show, we're going to check in with parents and caregivers in the thick of raising kids during this moment. And a little later, Father Pindarvis Harshaw slows it down for a moment to savor all that it means to be a dad to a two-year-old girl. Well, right now, let's check in with our wise ones this week to help answer some of your questions about raising kids during this moment. Nancy Red is the author of several books, including Bedtime Bonnet and The Mother of Two Children, a six and a nine-year-old. And New York Times opinion writer and prolific tweeter, Wajahat Ali, has a house full of kids, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and an eight-month-old. Nancy and Wajahat, welcome to Truth Be Told. Hey, Yay. Hello, I'm gonna start with you, Nancy. how How are you holding up right now?
2: I'm doing great. I mean, I have just given in. I have accepted the truth that this is our reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm also fortunate to have two older children who, this is not their first rodeo with homeschool. I homeschooled my son last year. So Mm. this is kind of just deja vu. And I feel that it's my responsibility to help others accept this new normal and get through with their sanity
3: intact.
1: Wajahat, how are you doing? Sanity intact. I mean, I think that's what we're all trying to achieve.
3: Yeah, uh, we have three wildlings. (laughs) Ibrahim was about to turn six, Nuseba, who just turned four, and an eight-month-old Khadija. Yeah, we're doing well because the pandemic compared to our last year is very chill because last year we had to endure our Nuseba stage four cancer and liver transplant. And so in a really strange way, last year was amazing preparation for the coronavirus, And my kids are perfectly fine. They never want to leave the home. They're like, we're great. Like, they don't miss anything. Khadija's eight months old. She hasn't even, like, seen humans. Like, she sees a human being. She's like, what's that? Yeah. She's like, who are people? What's happening?
1: You said on Twitter, though, that your wife was like, well, 2020 is going to be normal after this year. And then we're here.
3: Our daughter was declared cancer-free, knock on wood, in January. Mm. You know, my wife and I, several times a day, uh, we we pause and we go. Wow, she's alive. That's all that matters. A pandemic, a crisis, trauma really kind of forces you. I think I think forces all of us to really focus on what's important. And oftentimes the irony is, what's so important in life is what's taken for granted. And it, and unfortunately, it takes a moment of pain for us to really hold on tight to something that we should have really invested time in. And oftentimes that's relationships. So that's what we're doing. We're leaning really into our family, our kids. And we're making the most of it and being crazy during the time because we have three kids during a pandemic. See, that's what I'm saying. So this
1: is a space, Waj and Nancy. We can acknowledge that, yes, it has been a truly a blessing that we're all healthy and we're all together. But we can also acknowledge that it has been crazy to live in a house for the last few months where all you're seeing is each other and your kids are going crazy I mean, Nancy, <laughs> you've got older <laughs> kids, but but tell me, what are some surprises in the thick of all of this that maybe you've discovered about yourself or your kids or your spouse?
2: When this all started to go down, I realized that I was very fortunate to be married to a rock. My mm-hmm. husband is the most emotionally sound human being I've ever met. And from the beginning of our relationship and the beginning of our parenthood, he's always been like very insistent that we basically treat each day and each interaction with the best of intentions. And again, it doesn't always work Mm. that way, right? But he always says how you treat other people is how you treat yourself. I try to look at things as every interaction I have in this household is like I'm on a first date. I am putting Mm. my best Mm. foot forward. I am being the best person I can to hopefully get that back reciprocally. (laughs) And it's a lot. It's a lot of effort at first because it's like a first date, you know, you're biting your tongue. You're thinking about how that would be received. But in the long run, it's amazing how kids, they just mirror you. And Mm. so we don't have a lot of that whining and complaining because I don't, I don't bring it to the table. And Mm. I think one of the hard things in this time is realizing how much of this is on us, we are the grown-ups and that is horrible because a lot of us like like you watch i have not completely grown up yet <laughs>
3: <laughs> i feel like nancy is like uh my black female avatar and i'm like her uh, south asian muslim avatar because i also was lucky enough to marry like an emotionally stable kind empathetic person sarah's like a rock and uh and so yeah we and but unlike nancy th- there ain't no first dates in this house i look i look Assy, not classy. I mean, I look like a mountain man who just came from, like... No, I I did not say that we
2: look like...
1: Well, see, you know, I thought about that, too, though, Nancy. When you said that, like, I'm going on my first date, I think, like, I have so let my husband down.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I look miserably messy, personally. My physical does not express my internal peace.
1: But what I love so much about this idea of a first date is exactly what you said, Nancy is that your kids mirror you. So when they see you loving each other Mm. like that and being so kind and considerate and affectionate, it changes the makeup of how they relate to you and relate to each other. 100%
2: and we have in our household again started by my husband I uh, (laughs) we have a no drama rule so basically we don't yell we talk things out we have a mantra nobody's perfect everyone makes mistakes and everyone's doing their best and everyone apologizes we care about academics we care about kindness we care about treating each other nicely but other than that it's kind of much a free-for-all do what you want to do once you've done what you're supposed to do you do what you want to do I have a 13
1: year old and an eight year- old. It is very tough to have a 13 year old who is going through puberty. she is mm. not yet a kid anymore but she is not an adult of course and like this would be the time where she'd be exploring you know and and coming into her identity you remember when you were 13 I would actually take the bus myself, I'd go to the record store I'd do all these things, you know and she's stuck with us and she hates it.
2: The entire goal of a teenager is to to test the boundaries. And the boundaries are literally the four walls of your house.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to get away from your parents. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, that's why you go to school. That's why you talk to your friends. I, I feel like Nancy is on a Slack channel <laughs> with my wife. Uh, because I'm really disturbed listening to her. Because it's like just like kind of our household also. Our kids are really sweet and kind. We tell them everything. We talk to them about everything. Very transparent. Uh, We have a few rules, but other than that, it is free-for-all. My children are jinn. They don't sleep, but they've never been able to sleep, (laughs) so they stay up really late. But aside from what you just heard, that was Nuseiba yelling at her brother because he's teasing her into Mm -hmm. her toy, but now they're fine. They apologize to each other. He's a loving older brother. They're sweet. They don't fight too much. And I think they do mirror the energy of the parents. Like, if the parents have a type of calm, if the parents are loving and respectful to each other and if the parents, in, again, Nancy, this is just my, you know, Tanya and Nancy, we are, we're all parents, but like we can only speak from our experiences. If you also deal with the kids in a rational, sane, mm-hmm. loving way, they feel a sense of calm and they feel they feel protected and they feel like life is not spiraling out of control. And in a way, I found out during a pandemic, we can protect them from the chaos outside the four corners mm. of the home. While at the same time, letting them know that yeah. there is a pandemic. And what I'm really proud about is like Ibrahim and Nuseba, they know. They're like, Baba, don't touch that package. <laughs> you could get the coronavirus. Did you sanitize your hands, Baba? I'm like, who are you, bro? Are you like my dad? He goes, Baba, we have a kid Aww. here. We have a baby. We have to go sanitize your hands and we have to stay away from people. If you model a type of responsible, I think, behavior during a pandemic with love, even these kids, you know... we you shouldn't give them a pass they're really smart and they're emotional and they get it
2: well and you also give them responsibility and mm. i always tell my children again they're 6 and 9 so they can have these conversations is you know this is a difficult time for a lot of people a lot of people are suffering unfairly because of a variety of reasons. And when it's all over, they're going to need help and they're going to need leaders. And we are building you into Mm. leaders. We are building you into the people who can help heal this world Mm. once it's safe to go back out. And so they kind of feel, okay, well, because we homeschool year round. So, okay, well, I'm doing homeschool so that I can be a leader and I am practicing good personal habits so that I can be a leader and be a helper. Uh, I just think that we can't forget that, even the littlest ones can understand that they have a role. And if you can posit them and contextualize them in this crisis and say, yes, this is a horrible thing, but you're not helpless. You're lucky you have us, you have this home, you have the opportunities, do not squander them.
1: Both of you seem like you are so together. So you're the perfect ones to answer questions from some parents who are just trying to figure it out during this time. Let's take our first question.
2: Dear truth be told, my name is Giselle and I live in the Inland Empire in California. I have a five-year-old who's just started
0: kindergarten and I have a soon-to-be three-year-old. How do we address the question of how long will this last? When will this be over? Our
2: five-year-old only experienced less than a school year in school and with school starting back up again, she's confused why she won't have a first day of school and asks when she will be able to do that again. Wash.
3: Yeah, so my son also had a year of school, but what we told him and we told Nuseba is that we're in a global pandemic. There's something called a virus. People are sick, people are dying. And so for our health uh, guys right now, we have to stay away Mm -hmm. from some folks. You know, we have to social distance. Uh, We can see our friends on Zoom. And we might have to do something called distance learning. But, uh, you know, this will eventually pass. It might take some time. It might be a year. And so I and my wife, we have not coddled them when it comes to the reality of the pandemic.
1: But you know what? I really like the simple language that you use. Because from my understanding about child development, I mean, it's not until they get nearly to the double digits that they can actually think in a nuanced way. So it's either yes or no. It's either it is or it's not going to happen. And so the way that you're talking to your young ones and telling them, here are the things we need to do to stay safe, and here's what's happening, and here's why we're not going to school. But all of those other details that we know about, that their little minds might not be able to take on and understand, I personally feel you don't have to give them so much detail. I mean, what do you all think?
2: Well, I don't like to be wrong. So when I'm asked a question that I don't have an answer to, I am never afraid to say I don't know because it makes them believe me more when I say I know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so what mm-hmm. I like to do, especially with my littlest one, is uh, to diffuse the situation and their anxiety about whatever the question is. So if it's like, how long would this last? To afford like a modicum of autonomy in the relationship, I usually throw it back, say, like, I don't know. How long do you think it'll last? What do you think <laughs> needs to happen before we can all get back to the way things were? Hmm. what can we do for our part to move things forward and keeping their little minds busy with like active questions it gives them less time to dwell on the depressing answer which is honestly that nobody actually knows you know because we all know well
3: played (laughs) (laughs) i think for my kids they've asked about two or three times and then what we what we honestly say is once coronavirus is over don't worry Mm -hmm. we'll Mm -hmm. go and they go okay baba Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that's enough. But for some <laughs> older kids who are in the teens. I think that's yeah. tough. Think yeah. about the prom. Think about the school year, the last year, yeah. high school. It's tough.
2: Kids want milestones, right? And Milestones are very important to development. We can still have them. We don't have to put a judgment on if they're better or worse. In the same mm. way that, um, you know, when we were growing up, all of us probably on this call, getting our driver's license was a big deal. That's not as much of a thing for kids anymore. We mm-hmm. can create milestones that have meaning to these children in this unique time without saying, well, it would be better if it was in person. So, for example, this listener is concerned about the first day of school. You can still have a first day of school, buy some balloons over the Internet, blow them up and place them at the computer. Like my daughter, for her birthday, threw herself a dance birthday party with party Mm. favors and everything. Mm -hmm. It was for the four of us. Right. right. But, you know, I made a little video like we did a whole thing. And if you act like it's the best thing ever, even if you're faking it till you make it. And if you don't make excuses or apologize for something that you had no control over, like COVID, you might find your kids will be more satisfied.
3: And can I just piggyback off that? Because our daughter Nuseba's birthday mm. was two weeks ago. And we did the same thing. You improvise, right? It's like if you, if you grow up poor, if you grow up the children of immigrants, you stretch a dollar, $1 into 20 because mm-hmm. you have to. And it's, it's, it's the type of love you bring into it, it's, it's, it's how creative you are. Uh, that's the memory that sticks. And for my daughter, she wanted a My Little Pony yeah. party. And she told me, she says, okay, Baba, I'm going to go to sleep. And then when I wake up, You in the middle of the (laughs) night are going to cover everything with My Little Pony stuff. And then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be surprised. And and I'm like, what? I'm like, yo, this is happening. Okay. I spend like 50 bucks. I get this My Little Pony swag. (laughs) At 3 a.m. I put all this stuff. Around everywhere, which didn't take that long. It didn't take yeah. that much money, you know. It was just simple stuff. And then she wake she wakes up. She sees the balloons and the banners. We got someone to make cupcakes that they left it outside mm-hmm. on the door, and they had My Little Pony cupcakes. And voila, it was a party, and she was ecstatic.
2: I love that so much. And not everyone listening has a partner like we do, who's super supportive. Absolutely, uh, my mom. It was a single mom. My dad died when I was four. And she always has instilled in me this one bit of information because I didn't realize that there were all these um, stigmas associated with single parenthood because Mm. she did such a great job in our household. And Mm -hmm. she said that the, the best advice she could give me is always listen to your children because they will tell you what they need. And mm-hmm. in that situation, your daughter told you what she needed. She didn't say, I need a party with all my friends and like, I need to like go to Disney World, <laughs> you know, she said, I just want some Milo Pony swag, you know, and mm-hmm. I want to be surprised. You filled that need. And so I think for individuals listening who don't have all of the resources that they need, improvisation, as I said, is such a key component to this.
1: And when you all think about the memories that you, that stick with you from your childhood, It's never the big things. It's always those small little things. I mean, I grew up with a single mother and I had this book about this little boy who would eat hot dogs and spaghetti and it was his favorite meal. And I I just wanted to do that so bad. And we had like a party with hot dogs and spaghetti and my mom did it for me. And to this day... (laughs) I have a warm feeling anytime I think about spaghetti, anytime I think about hot dogs, Mm. it was just a beautiful moment between us. And I I completely, that resonates with me so deeply. I want to get to other questions because we have so many. Um, This one. Oh my gosh, you guys. This is my life too. So this is from an anonymous mom who's working in tech in the Bay Area. And she says... The balance of being a full-time parent and a full-time employee is really hard. My son is three, and I feel like I'm constantly rejecting him during business hours. What's a better way to structure my meeting? Should I incorporate 10-minute breaks every hour? This is so great because my son has actually vocalized this to me, that all I do is work. And it's just because he sees it now. You know, before he was away at school, I was at work. And when we came home together, we were just together.
3: You know, this is the struggle because for working parents, which are most of us with kids at home during a pandemic, at first people were saying, oh, isn't it fantastic? And, and now it's like, yo, we are mm-hmm. drowning, right? And I can tell you what I do and what my wife does is the burden always falls, in my opinion, worse on moms. But uh, they're used to a rhythm now where if they see me in the in the quote studio in my office with headphones, my son just saw me and gave me a thumbs up. He knows this is Baba's working time. That being said, I was supposed to start working today at, I don't know, like after lunch, but my kids said, Baba chase us. So I spent 35 (laughs) minutes chasing them and playing them. I'm like, all right, I lost 35 minutes of work, but I realized I have to improvise and adapt to a new normal during a pandemic because my kids want me Mm -hmm. at this time. But knowing my kids, they will give me that time I need to talk to Tanya and Nancy and -hmm. do some work later. And and what we've seen, though, is this, this evolution where it's not perfect, but they kind of are – kids mm-hmm. are resilient. They are realizing there is a routine to this chaos, yeah. and that's where we're at right now. But it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. For
2: individuals who are used to the work-life balance where your child was away from you, you were away from home, you all come home together, I'm gonna be honest with you. I have no idea how you have made this transition so swiftly and quickly. And of course, there are going to be some growing pains. However, we must not forget all three-year-olds are dissatisfied. It doesn't matter In what context, it does not matter, you know, what's happening. There's never enough.
1: It's true. They
2: just want you. You could be spending 23 hours a day with them. And then that one hour, you're like, why are you not paying attention to me? So (laughs) don't be too hard on yourself and don't be hard on the three-year-old. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt them. The struggle is real.
3: I think what Nancy just said, that last point is so key. Don't be that hard on yourself. And that's a lesson, I think, for us and For parents and for those of us who are type A overachievers during coronavirus, uh, trying to balance everything, right? Give yourself room to be a human being who's doing their best. And especially if you're listening to other parents going through it, I think this is what helps. When you hear other parents saying, yo, I just gave my kid like... 20 minutes of Disney Plus, all right, <laughs> I broke down. I, I just had to. Uh, or listen, I, I, my kid hasn't brushed their teeth today, but eventually mm-hmm. I'll get to it. This is this one of those days. And, th- and what I've seen is that parents go, oh, thank God, I'm not a failure of a parent. I think that's very important for listeners to understand that that it's okay to acknowledge how tough this is, to be a bit easy on yourself, and that we're all struggling and helping each other out.
1: Yeah. And even if it's more than 20 minutes. I mean, I'm thinking about, no, I'm honestly yeah. thinking about single parents who are also working from home That's and they, right. they have to work for eight hours. And what are their kids doing for eight hours? They can't possibly, you have to give yourself a break and also know that they're going to be okay. I mean, this is, you know, we all really focus in on how much screen time our children should have, how much acti- physical activity they should have, how they should be in all of these activities. You know, before the pandemic, we were so focused on those things.
2: Well, and I'm not gonna lie. I think, truth be told, haha, um, ha, <laughs> a lot of people... We're, we're trading negatives and positives, but a lot of the mm-hmm. things gained, I guess mm-hmm. your 13 year old may be real stressed out and a little moody, but I've seen in my extended family, some of the tweens and teens who are dealing with a lot of bullying and stress from friend circles at schools are really enjoying being wrapped up in mama's cooking and, and daddy's hugs and everything around them instead of all of that Instagram drama.
1: And there's also a building of identity that is happening that i see in my daughter she mm-hmm. um, is she's always been so creative but she's creating clothes and purses and she's making earrings and she's cooking she's such a good cook Amazing. and she's also coming into her blackness you know i had a good friend who said she f- we all follow our kids on social media so that we can see what's really going on you know because sometimes kids are so savvy and making certain their parents can't see some of their posts so we follow each other's children And one of my friends uh, sent me a note said, is it just me or is A like really coming into herself as a young black girl? And is it because she hasn't been to school surrounded by her cohorts, which are are mostly white kids? And I said, you know, I can't really answer that, but I do know that she's been able to explore in a way that is not, um, you know, that is without the overshadowing of her friends there. And her peers there and like having her decisions be weighted on, on their reactions to her. So you're right in that. I mean, there are so many pluses that are happening that may have not happened in the regular world. And so it's not a trade off of what's good and what's bad and what we're losing and what we're winning.
2: One of my favorite aspects of Quarantine is when my daughter went out in our backyard and started scootering in her bonnet. And I texted a picture to my mom. I was like, we have arrived. Like, <laughs> She is
3: outside with her bonnet, With one tear, with one tear. I
2: was just like, this would not have happened without quarantine because she immediately rips it off. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. though I'm pro bonnet. She's and like, and I'm it's not like, gonna be
1: seen with this. <laughs>
2: yeah. She's just like uh, hanging out all day. And she said, I'm just gonna keep my bonnet on all day. <laughs>
1: Let's take our next question from Juan.
3: Hola, buenas tardes. Dear truth be told, my name is Juan. I live in Winters, California, and I am a father to a six-month-old and a five-year-old. My question for you today is, how do we build a relationship between my son and his grandparents when there isn't any physical interaction? How are
1: you guys doing it?
3: So my mom was supposed to actually visit the week everything got shut down. She Mm. had bought a plane ticket and she, you know, they still haven't met Khadija, who's again, about eight months old. So they call several times a day. We try to pick up when we can, but we make it a point to do what we can either on WhatsApp, Zoom, or my wife has the iPhone. What's the one on the iPhone? The uh,
2: FaceTime. You know what I'm
1: talking about. FaceTime.
3: FaceTime, time. And, you know, just that a couple of minutes a day, honestly, uh, it's enough to establish that relationship. They talk, they see each other. Uh, One way they get them really interested is, hey, your, your daddy and dad and your nanny and nana are going to get you a toy. And they're like, toy? And then they run straight to the camera. And like, OK, we want My Little Pony and we want a Star Wars toy. And then, OK, then you give me that Legos thing. And once that comes, we say this came from your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to call your grandparents. You have to thank them. And then it's kind of like they thank them and say, thank you, Nana, for the Lego. Thank you, grandfather. We're doing well. Okay, we love you. Bye. Air kiss. And they run away. Even though it's those fleeting three minutes, because look, we're talking about a four-year-old and a six-year-old. It nonetheless establishes a relationship. They know who they are. They see them. They know that they're loved. And also we say, inshallah, once coronavirus is over, they're going to visit and hug you. And they go, "Okay." And, you know, it's not perfect, but it keeps the connection alive and it keeps the connection tangible
2: i would say i love that watch and and your kids are younger and that's how we started too and then we build up okay now let's think of some questions we can ask aji and dada and grandma and uncle sammy uh so like mm. how, so then it's ten, then it went from hello i love you to hello i love you how was your day My day was good. (laughs) And now they're having full-fledged conversations and understanding. Grandparents are great if you are fortunate to still have them uh, as a calm, patient teaching tool. Because they just, they don't care what the kid is doing. They're just excited to see them. But,
1: you know, one other thing that we've been doing that's been really sweet is since my daughter loves to cook and bake, my, my grandmother is the best baker I know. And so she's 94 now and she can no longer bake, but she's super into it. So we will have FaceTime and she just wants to see what my daughter is doing and asking. And so they're just having a conversation while my daughter is baking. And it's just a wonderful way for them to connect over an activity. I mean, this is where technology is just wonderful.
3: It's it's a connection of uh generations but it's also a passing down Mm -hmm. uh uh, like a heritage right and so what you just said reminded me of how i started learning how to cook a few months ago was literally me facetiming my mom and dad and my mom was like okay let me see it let me see what you're doing and i could tell it was like a bonding experience between us because she took joy in the fact that i was taking her recipes and learning from her you know it's just like these small things Mm because i'm an only child i can't see my parents yeah. Uh, who are about to visit and and I grew up with my grandmother and my grandfather. Mm-hmm, I had a very old school, but I miss my grandmother. like I, I I was I was the one who took her in the grave. I was the one who buried her. I was mm-hmm. the last one in, last one out. And so to have these small traditions that you guys are talking about and to have these small specific tangible acts that we don't necessarily value that end up being so valuable, as we move on in life, right? Mm-hmm. As our kids, inshallah, grow up, they'll remember these days that during quarantine, my parents took the time to do these small little things to give us a sense of normalcy and to connect us to our grandparents. And I hope I hope they, they not only become better people as a result, but they'll remember our love for them and the fact that we tried.
1: You guys are so great. I wanna ask you your parting words of advice mm. for other parents out
2: there. Be kind to yourself, be kind to those in your circle, be kind to the world. That sounds super cheesy, but so much of the conundrum we're in is because people have stopped being kind.
3: I agree with what Nancy said, and for those of you who think it's cheesy, I'll end on my daughter. The only reason she's alive in addition to healthcare and medicine and prayers is because of people's kindness. Over 500 people, mostly strangers, stepped up to be a liver donor for Mm Nosebo. And she got an anonymous donor. And now we know the man, Sean Zaheer, who gave a piece of his liver so a girl could survive. And I'm very opinionated. You guys can see my tweets and my posts and my articles. But I even had people who told me, literally, I hate everything you tweet. I hate all your politics. But I'm praying for your little girl. Mm -hmm. So don't underestimate the power of kindness. Mm -hmm. But as a parent... Be kind to yourself, be kind to your families, be kind to each other. And then the final thing I'll I'll say is let go of control. There's only so much you can control in life. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a famous saying in Islam, tie your camel and then leave it to God. There's only so much we can do. And then you have to just let go. Let go and have faith.
1: Wajahat Ali and Nancy read... Thank you guys so much. This was such a great conversation. I'm I'm about to go on some dates in my own house with my kids and my (laughs) husband. That's New York Times opinion writer Wajahat Ali and author of the children's book Bedtime Bonnet, Nancy Redd. As you heard Waj and Nancy say, parenting during COVID-19 is a lot. But it's also a time to lean in and learn more about your family. That's what single dad and right now-ish host Pendarvis Harshaw is doing. And he says he's learning a lot from his two-year-old.
4: I tried being a good teacher. I had structure and everything. Breakfast in Sesame Street while I send emails. 10.30 a.m. was recess, which meant a walk to a nearby patch of grass to play soccer or frisbee. 2.30 p.m. is nap time. Or at least just go to your room and close your eyes and be quiet for an hour, please. Time, and then a book before bedtime, ideally around 8 p.m. Problem was, my structure wasn't made of steel. More like bamboo. Between Zoom meetings, one day, we built a whole tent. We become regulars at dance parties that happen in club living room, and those events last way beyond bedtime. The other day, I laid my daughter down for a 2.30 p.m. break and went to my closet for an interview for a Right Now-ish podcast episode about father-daughter relationships. I walked away from the Zoom call to realize that my daughter had gone number two in the potty, properly wiped, washed her hands, and was jumping on my bed. I mean, she didn't flush the toilet, but I was impressed nonetheless. She's taught me that she's capable of learning fast. I told her that we couldn't go on our weekly library trips anymore because there's a virus out in the world making people sick. She took it as somebody sick in the world. And that's what we've been saying for the past four months. And it's that simple for her. For me, it's much more complex. But I've been trying to take notes and process it all. The greatest parent-to-parent lesson has come from my sister, who recently married a man who has kids of his own. His youngest is a six-year-old with special needs. My sister realized quickly that she couldn't recreate the classroom setting and the take-home assignments weren't working. But she found guidance in simply teaching what she knows. Arts, gardening, language, and all the other skills she's acquired through simply living. So, that's what I've done. During trips for groceries, my daughter and I spell out the items we put in the grocery cart. I'm not that good at math, but I can cook my ass off. So, we practice numbers in the kitchen. I'm not good at doing hair at all. So, bless her amazing mother, Tanera, for teaching me the importance of head wraps and hair bows. Actually, I'm not good at a lot of things, so bless her her amazing mother in general. I mean, I failed a lot as a father, y'all. During the shelter-in-place, there have been some comical failures, like the time that I thought that I could put a fitted sheet on the suspended pull-up bar and create a swing in the doorway of my closet. It worked until the kid's momentum went askew, causing her head to meet the closet's doorframe. She laughed it off and wanted to swing again. I immediately disassembled it. A Mother's Day call to my 85-year-old grandmother, the woman who raised my father, put it all in perspective of what it means to be a dad, a real dad. My pops never knew his real father. My mother's father passed away before she was a teen. My sister and I grew up without our father in our household and my niece and nephew did the same, but we all had stepfathers. My family history, combined with fears, concerns, and around the clock reporting on COVID, Coupled with example after example of how racist and misogynistic this country is, I felt low. The time I've spent these past four months with my daughter have been the most intimate time I've had with another human in my adult life. The highs of this period outweigh the lows by a ton. But during that low period, man, it got real. The thoughts about the number of fathers not being in the lives of their children, not only in my family, but historically in the African-American community. And how my generation of men is doing wonders at breaking that cycle. But still, struggling with relationships with our co-parents. And directly tied into that is the misogynistic ideology that this country was built on. And being that I'm from this country, specifically Oakland, California, that mindset is in me. I'm trying to exercise it. I have to. How can I raise a black woman in a sick world when I'm not fully healthy myself? I promise y'all, I'm trying to learn, grow, and be malleable. I figure it's all a part of the structure of fatherhood. Don't be still, be bamboo. There's somebody sick in the world, and I'm trying to cure myself.
1: That's Pindarvis Harshaw. He's a writer and the host of the Right Nowish podcast. You can check it out at kqed.org slash right and i hope you'll join me next week on instagram i'll be talking with my friend and great storyteller walter thompson hernandez he's the host of the new laist studios podcast california love and author of compton cowboys the new generation of cowboys in america's urban heartland we're going to chat about his work and answer your questions live so head on over to our instagram account truth be told kqed at 3:30 west coast time Thursday, August 20th. And if you already have a question for me and Walter, email them to truthbetold at kqed.org. Truth Be Told is produced by Suzy Racho, Issa Mendoza, and Katie McMurrin. KQED's leadership team includes Erica Aguilar, Ethan Tobin lindsey and Holly Kernan. A big thanks to Kiana Mogadam. Truth Be Told is a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Tanya Mosley.